Welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media. We provide business professionals with insights and ideas for protecting their people from the vast array of threats facing organizations today. Each week, you'll hear advice and best practices from an experienced safety leader. Here's your host, Peter Steinfeld. Hey, listener. Glad you could join us. Today, we're talking about travel safety. Corporate travel is back, and while in-person meetings, client dinners, and industry conferences are great for relationship building, business travel can present both risks for employees and exposure for organizations. To talk us through her approach to corporate traveler safety is Delia Madamba, head of physical security at Cloudflare, a performance and security solution for websites, apps, and SaaS services. Delia's experience spans years as a former foreign affairs officer for the U.S. Department of State, a security consultant for PwC, and a senior manager of protective intelligence at Splunk. Her expertise is in building corporate risk programs from scratch, including an automated and scalable travel safety program that keeps her attention on what matters most, the people. Let's get into the conversation. Delia, thanks so much for coming to the studio today here in Austin. Thank you guys for having me. So how has the travel safety program at Cloudflare changed since the pandemic? Prior to the pandemic, or during the pandemic, I should say, um, we had a business continuity team that was managing all travel requests. So employees would have to contact the business continuity team with a justification for why they wanted to travel, where they were going, you know, what the business need was, really. That has since gone away. So the physical security team, my team, now manages all of those travel requests and determining which countries employees can travel to or not, and in partnership with HR and our tax team on, you know, the requirements around tax for the employees as well. Well, you must be in high demand internally now that travel has picked up so much, not just for you guys, but everywhere. So how has your team adapted to that increase in responsibility? Yeah, we took a couple different approaches. The first is an allow list. (laughs) So those are the countries where if you're going to work there for less than 20 days, don't ask us. <laughs> You're fine. Just go ahead and go. We've evaluated the security risk. We've evaluated the tax implications. And we've said, if it's less than 20 days, have fun. And then there's the countries that are not on the allow list. And so that at least has allowed us to whittle down how much research we have to do when an employee reaches out. But when they do reach out, we do have to check what are those implications, what are the safety implications, what are the cybersecurity implications, and then come to a determination on whether the employee can go and what precautions we need to put in place for them to be able to go. So is that allow list something that you publish and the employee can then just make their determination based on that? And if it's not on the list, then they have to ask for permission? Or did everything have to come through you first and then you look at the list? So there's certain countries where we pre-designate them as high risk, either because of the cybersecurity situation or the physical security situation. Those are also on a wiki page somewhere. And then separately, the allow list is on a wiki page in a different location. So employees can check those two lists. If it's not on either of those two lists, then they check in with my team. And then we do an an evaluation and a determination. Well, let's say someone who has never conducted a pre-travel risk assessment before. What does that entail? How do they go about that? You're going to need to know where the data is coming from, right? How do you even know where your employees are either going (laughs) or are? If it's a pre-travel assessment, you need to have some access to the travel safety data or the traveler data. Whatever system employees are booking in, you need to have access to that data to identify where they're going so that you can do the actual assessment. That's step one. 
Step two, we look at three different categories. So we're looking at the employee's physical safety risk. What is the likelihood that they could be experiencing theft, a terrorist attack, anything like that? And then there's separately the IP risk, right? What is the likelihood that either their personal information could be compromised or company IP could be com compromised? And then third, we're looking at the tax implications, right? Like, can we even legally send you here to work? Would you have the right visa? Can you pay the taxes you're supposed to pay if you're a non-citizen or if you are a citizen of that location. And so we're looking at all three of those. And we start with a risk matrix. So we're looking within those three categories, you know, what are the things of concern? And then we rate each of those things, high, medium, low, and we come up with an overall score for each of those categories. And then what are the actual implementations that need to happen to protect the employee from all three of those things? So if it's a high-risk personal safety what does that mean? What does that look like? And they're not all created equal. It could be kidnapping in one location and it could be women's rights issues in a different location. So what is the actual risk and how are you going to protect the employee and how are you going to inform them that's the risk and that the risk is different for each type of employee, perhaps. We do have separate risk scores for women in LGBTQ+, because the risks, unfortunately, are different for them in different places. So just looking at the traveler, having access to the data to know where they're going, and then identifying what those three risks might look like, ranking them high, medium, low, and then providing the employee with that information. That's the most important part, right? How are you going to give them that information so that they know their own risk and so that they can make informed decisions about whether they even want to go? And then if they're going to go, how they're going to protect themselves while they're gone. That's a lot of variables, and it seems like it could really exponentially get out of control when you think about travel for all the people in your organization, regardless of where they're going, does everything come to the security desk first and you approve the trip? Or is it only once it reaches a certain threshold so they can book stuff and then if it hits that threshold, then it's got to come to you for an approval. And once you hit approve or deny, then they know if they can go or not. It's by threshold. So we do do risk scores for the world and we do high, medium, low for the three categories, right? For IP and personal and for government risk policy. And so... We try and weed out the ones that we know are low risk, right? Like our team is small. We can't, <laughs> we right. can't take in, you know, we've got over 3,000 employees. We can't take in 3,000 requests a day. So we're trying to weed out the ones that we know aren't a problem and really focus on the ones that are. So there's the allow list, which allows employees to say, okay, if it's on this list, don't worry about it. Go forth and conquer. And if it's not on the list, let's have a conversation. And then there's the high risk list. If it's on that list, then we definitely need to have a conversation and there needs to be other approvals in place before you can book. So if it's on the high risk list, you can't even book the ticket in the travel system. The travel system will block it. And then you'll, you know, you'll get your little pop up that says you talk to the physical security team. So is the best way to start to think about just the world geographically speaking, and then just kind of categorize your countries by risk level. And if it's in the United States, unless it's in a city in an area that's really risky, which is fairly low in America, then that just all flows through, doesn't come through security, but then really pick out the hot points around the world and make sure that you get your eyes on those. Right. And then give employees some tools. So maybe they disagree that America's safe, right? Maybe they're like, uh-uh, I went to New York City and it was scary, you know? <laughs> okay, well, here's some resources for you on how to navigate New York City, right? But you don't need to come to me for approval. Mm, that's a good point, yeah. And uh, I mean, they're they're not wrong. Like, there's a lot of these bigger cities where it's getting kind of dangerous to go on subways and things like that. And yeah. some people may not know that. You know, I grew up in New York City when I was young and it was dangerous then, but then it got a lot better and now it's getting more dangerous again. I'm not following it. I don't live there now. So if I go, I may just 
ignore that. So it's good to know. So it's good to provide people with that kind of information. Right, right. Make it at their fingertips so they can access it if they want to. So something could be high physical risk, but low, let's say, IP or tax risk. And so we would put measures in place to make sure they have you know, maybe a security driver and a security escort to, in those countries. For medium risk cyber locations, maybe we say, okay, you can take your work laptop and your work phone, but we're going to restrict your access to certain company information while you're gone. Or if it's a high risk cyber location, we might say, you're not bringing your company phone or laptop. We're going to send you with what is essentially a burner device. It is going to be wiped of pretty much everything except for exactly what you need while you're gone. And then that device will be returned to us, go through some forensics to make sure that it wasn't compromised, and then you'll be returned to your actual work devices. You know, that's interesting. It seems like years ago, everything was based around physical, but this aspect of cyber security, I think a lot of people don't think about. They just send people off with their standard laptop and phone and they're like, you know, just do the right thing. And it sounds like that's just no longer good enough anymore. <laughs> it's not good enough. And you'll find situations where your employees are being pulled aside at the airport and, you know, you've got a government official saying, hand over that laptop. What is your employee supposed to do? You know, <laughs> they've likely never been in that situation. They're probably scared. If you haven't given them some advice beforehand on what they're, how they're supposed to handle that situation, you could very much lose some company IP very quickly. So have you had situations before where a government official may say, give me the password to log into your laptop? And I mean, like, I, I don't know what I would do in that case. You're scared for yourself. You think you might go to prison if you don't comply. Like, what do you tell someone to do in that case? Um, hand it over. <laughs> I would much rather you be safe than try and fight a foreign government's entity. Hand it over and we will deal with it on the back end. But that's why we try and be preemptive about identifying where is that risk likely to happen so that we can then prevent it from happening in the first place. Mm. Right? If you don't have a device on you that has anything that they would want, they're likely not going to ask you to hand it over. If they do, they're going to notice that there's nothing on this device, though, you know, you'll be on your way. Yeah, that's super smart. Well, do you have a different process for domestic versus international travel or high risk destinations versus low risk? And can you give some examples? You already started going there, but if you could dig into it deeper, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, usually domestically, employees know exactly what's going on in their own country where they live way better than I do, right? So we encourage employees to stay on top of what's happening in their surrounding area. That includes things like weather events and you know hurricanes and things like that. Obviously, we are watching for those things and we will send check-ins to employees and some advice to employees beforehand so that they are safe and so that our business continuity is not impacted. However, we kind of rely on employees to really know what's going on for the most part in their own home areas. If there's something major, like a major change, for example, the Russia and Ukraine uh, current incidents, you know, that's a major change in, in what was normal life for those two countries. So we might, you know, institute new policies in that type of a scenario. But generally speaking, employees know what's happening domestically for them. Yeah, some personal responsibility there. They need to just be self-aware. and Right, yeah. right. Internationally, again, there's like certain travel regions, for example, the EU. Usually it's pretty easy. Those folks know exactly what they need to do or travel within, within the EU. But when you're starting to leave what is kind of your normal travel zone, that's when we start to, to give more like travel briefings, pre-trip assessments, and some guidance for employees. 
Now, I must assume there's a difference between the, quote, average employee and then someone is at the executive level. So are there special considerations there when you think about executives leaving the country? Indeed, Yes, there are. They travel differently, right? (laughs) Um, More people know who they might be and recognize their name or their face. They definitely have access to information, you know, the most information on the company, whether that's financials or whether that's, you know, product information, customer information, they have kind of the keys to the castle. So making sure that they are squared away for their own safety, their family safety. So tracking those threats, identifying them before they go on a trip, identifying if there's any specific reason why either that country's government or there's specific actors within that country that might be targeting either the company or those individuals personally, doing those risk assessments prior to their travel. And then there's the normal, the safety briefings and things to make sure that they're aware of some situations that might be happening in the countries they're going to or the locations they're traveling to and then tracking where they are as well in case something does happen. So putting some restrictions around, you know, who can be on which flights and when so that there are business continuity. And how do you get people to take it seriously? Because oftentimes the average traveler or even especially executives, they're like, ah, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm okay. I don't need to follow this procedure. How do you get people to buy in? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the common perception is, well, that's never going to happen. That doesn't happen to me. Well, we hope not. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I will say it's not common, but it does occur. I think the best thing you can do is give them examples of when it has happened and the impact, right? Great. It happened. What did that mean for that company? Well, the stock tanked because there was no confidence in, you know, what is the business continuity plan? Who's taking over? What's Who's supposed to do what? So there was actual impact, not just internally, employees going, what are we doing? How are we, what's happening with the company? Who's, who's in charge here? But investors think the same thing, right? So <laughs> there's wider impact and it's completely preventable. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not a big deal. And just kind of buy in by showing them that it is a real risk and here's the impact. I think the impact is really what gets them. I think that you're exactly right. If you show the bigger picture and this is what happens to the company if something goes wrong, do you really want to have those issues pop up? And like you said, it's such an easily preventable thing if we just take this one little measure. And then you have them watch the movie Taken with Liam Neeson, right? (laughs) Clearly, yes, yes. (laughs) And then they take all their children and lock them in a box, yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what advice do you have for people that are just starting out building a travel safety program? Um, Start by identifying the risks. What is it? that your company is likely to experience from a risk standpoint, and then how can you buy that down and do that across the board, across different risk types, and then prioritize based on that, based on what is highest risk and most likelihood, and then impact, right? So those are the three things that I'm looking at. What is the risk? What is the likelihood of that risk happening? What is the impact if that risk occurs? And then from there, say, okay, this is either the highest impact or the highest likelihood, and therefore I need to have a plan in place for these things. You can't do it all at once. So you got to prioritize based on the risk. What's the crawl, walk, run approach? Because a lot of our listeners just don't have big teams or budgets. So what's the way you can get the most bang for the buck with limited resources? Definitely collaborate where you can. <laughs> Lean on your counterparts in you know, facilities, in HR, in cybersecurity, They're going to be your allies, legal definitely as well. They're going to be your allies and they're going to help kind of boost your capability while you build your own team out. Mm. Are there outside resources too that you can go to like FBI, law enforcement, just to get tips and and tricks and things like that? 
yes, the State Department has a program for businesses, tech businesses, private businesses to stay on top of what's happening in the world. There are benchmarking groups that you can join to ask other companies, you know, what's going on? How have you done this? I'm trying to set this up. What is your experience? What are your lessons learned, you know, from having gone through that? All of those resources are good things to look at. And would you say travel security is important for any organization in any industry, or is it just apply to people in certain industries? Oh, no. It's, if your people are traveling, you have a legal duty of care <laughs> to make sure that they stay safe when they travel. If something goes wrong, they can sue you. <laughs> Doesn't mean that they will, but they do have the right to if you sent them on a business trip and, and were not prepared or they were not prepared. That's a great point. Well, what trends or threats perhaps are on the horizon for travel safety or even just general risk management that organizations really need to be watchful of going forward? Definitely. I think there's definitely an increase in personal security situations. A lot of the times people are worried of kind of the bigger things, the terrorist attacks and things, but those are, it's less likely that you'll find your employee in one of those situations. I think employees don't, they don't want to be tracked. And I think that is they have that's absolutely within their right, but there is a like you said a, a duty of care that if they are somewhere, the company does need to know if they're doing business right where they are to keep them safe. So I think that's going to be a challenge: is how do you balance employee right to privacy with company duty of care and provide the right level of security for employees without being invasive? Do you find the reluctance different around the world by culture? Or is it pretty consistent around the world that people like, just don't follow me? <laughs> I think in general, nobody's like, eh, yeah, give me, I'll give you everything. I think people who maybe travel to riskier locations more often are way more willing to, you know, what do you want? You want my phone location? You want to put a beacon on me? Let's, let's do this, right? People who generally like, well, I, I'm just traveling to Chicago. You know, like, well, that's fine. They're like, don't track me. <laughs> you know? So I think it's, it's a lot of personal experience. I've had situations where employees who do personal trips to certain countries, whether that's to visit family or just, you know, they're going on vacation and they know that the safety situation might not be the best where they're going. They'll ask, you know, hey, can we use some of these company resources while I'm on my personal trip too? Yeah, that's fine. I think it's just a personal experience thing. If people haven't experienced safety issues, they're generally like, well, the world is safe and everything's fine. But if they have, then they're more open to like, yeah, can you track me while I'm, while I'm gone? That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like it's very much a cultural thing and it's also an experiential thing. Yeah. So if you've, like you said, if you've never experienced anything like that before, then it, you're very reluctant to believe that it could happen to you and you you don't want to. So that it comes back to the why. You have to yeah. explain to people, this is why we're doing it. To your point, here are some examples of where things went bad. Not saying it's going to happen to you, right? but it could. Don't you want us to be there just in case it does happen? Just in case it does happen. And I can assure you, I do not have the time during the day to just be wandering. Hey, I wonder where Joe is. You know, what's he doing right now? I'm not looking. Right. <laughs> exactly. Got a lot of other things to do. <laughs> I've got more on my plate than worrying about what you're doing, where you went for lunch on your trip. That's right. That's right. Well, before we wrap up, any final thoughts or words of advice for our listeners? I would say be diligent about where your employees are going. Be proactive about what you're going to do if something goes wrong. You don't want that to be the first time that you're testing the system. So tabletop exercises are a great way to test like what would 
we do as a company if this this happened, whether that's with executive safety or whether that's with just general employee safety, you know, run some tabletop exercises, get all the p- parties involved so that you can find those gaps before there's an actual incident. What are some suggested tabletop exercises? What can you do to practice? Maybe the top two or three that you would recommend. Natural disasters are on the upswing. So definitely run through some tabletop exercises. Natural disasters in a location where maybe you don't have an office, but you have a large contingent of remote employees, especially nowadays that remote work is is more popular. What would happen? Are they all working on the same kind of thing? Are they all engineering? And so if a hurricane rolls through Florida, you don't have an office there, but the engineering department's now taken out for 10 days run through those natural disasters for sure. Business travel, you know, run through what is that, okay, what, let's say there is maybe a terrorist attack when an employee is in a location that you wouldn't normally think of as unsafe, right? Okay, France, right? They're in Paris, now there's a terrorist attack. What are you gonna do? How do you get a hold of them? How do you make sure they're safe? Do you have resources to get them out if you find out, hey, they are safe and they just need help? What help can you provide them? Run through that tabletop exercise. Know where the money's going to come from <laughs> in that scenario. Because a lot of times companies will say, oh, well, we'll deal with that ad hoc. Okay, well, the ad hoc has now happened. Who's gonna, actually going to cough up from their budget to, to do something in that type of a scenario? And then run through a scenario that involves an office. You know, what happens if there is the major earthquake that hits San Francisco and now your headquarters is down? What does that look like for the company? And who do you typically involve in those tabletop exercises? Usually it's some combination of HR, (laughs) security, legal usually, sometimes finance, right? Especially when it comes to that question of like, well, where is the money going to come from? This is how expensive this thing is. Oh, I didn't realize it was that expensive. We never set that kind of money aside. And then facilities, right? You're doing a tabletop exercise that involves the office facilities as well. And I may be going out on a limb here, but can it help with insurance if you show that you're doing these exercises ahead of time, that you're thinking about these things and putting preventative measures in place that can reduce exposure? It can, yeah. And there's also different certifications out there that want to see that you're doing these kinds of things. There's different ISO certifications around safety. There's actually a new ISO out on travel safety specifically. So there are some things out there, some certifications and things that will help not only maybe get business for you (laughs) when customers see that you're taking these things seriously, but also, yes, lower your insurance premiums. All right. Fantastic. Well, I know we could go on for hours talking, but we've got limited time here. So Delia, thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate all your expertise. You really know what you're talking about. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Well, if you'd like to connect with Delia, check the links in the show notes. And thanks for listening. And we hope you subscribe and rate and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. Join me next week for more advice and best practices from experienced safety leaders. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.